I am Yogi. I am a recovered marijuana addict and grateful to be here tonight. Uh, It was a dark and stormy night because doesn't all good stories start out that way? Uh, I'd like to start at the beginning because it was a very lonely night. Tuesday, March 9th, 1993, I was sitting in a parking lot in my truck, waiting to go into my first 12-step meeting and having an incredible argument with myself as to whether I really needed help. That afternoon, I made a phone call to an 800 number. I'd never heard of Marijuana Anonymous. I had heard of Narcotics Anonymous and AA, And I knew AA wasn't really for me because I wasn't that much of a drinker. But I figured, like, well, let's try this NA thing. And I had called that afternoon and found out where there was a meeting. And I was sitting there in my truck and having this argument, trying to decide the rest of my life. Um, When I looked out, I'm trying to be, like, you know, overly dramatic. I have this whole, like, movie opening written in my head. So um, there were two groups of people when I looked out the parking lot. There was a bunch of guys sitting, you know, next to the building smoking cigarettes, and there's a bunch of guys on the other end and girls and whatever hanging out by the cars, kind of, like, looking at me, like, waving me over, you know, and I kind of felt like I was at the – end of the Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland where, you know, the uh, ghosts are kind of like beckoning you. And it's like, you know, they're waving their hand and dangling like keys in front of me. And I really didn't know what was going on. Um, Later, I found out what what psychologists would call an out-of-body experience. And that's what was happening. So some people thought that you know, when I've described this, that it was an acid flashback. But no, no, it was really not. Um, So I decided to go into the group of people that were hanging outside the building, and I went in through the door, and that's when this girl with a safety pin in her cheek, because, you know, it was the post-punk era, um, said, hello, welcome. And from then on, that's when the weirdness began. You know, all the weird stuff before that wasn't weird enough. So, and that began my journey. Uh, my name is Alan, but I like to go by Yogi in these meetings. And that is kind of what I want to get to. Um, one of my big themes is sobriety versus recovery. Um, I entered this program as Alan. That was that scared, frightened, full of anger, full of fear, full of resentment, little kid sitting in that truck trying to make a decision. Um, I entered this program as Alan. Uh, Born and raised in the San Fernando Valley, you know, I was, I don't want to give away my age too much, but, you know, mid-30s, early 30s when I, First got into sobriety, um, had a fairly normal childhood, you know, uh, mom, dad, they were married for, you know, 
almost 50 years, a brother, a sister, uh, the whole suburban life, and I still felt like I never fit in. I still felt like I didn't really belong. I was always trying to catch up. I was always trying to fit in and get people to like me, always wanting something more and never really finding any kind of peace. Uh, Fast forward to the age of 18 or 19 is when I first started smoking, and it was a lot of fun. You know, I will. I don't like to go into a whole long drug log, but I mean, because you know, if I tell like what it was, I mean, everybody's been there. You know, we've all had that same story. That um, it started out as fun. You know, it was a Friday night thing. Going to the show, uh, we're gonna you know go over to some place and listen to the Floyd album, going to a Pink Floyd concert, or going to see Star Wars. I, Without digressing, I went to see Star Wars, and again, I had an out-of-body experience in the theater. It hit me like nothing else, but anyway. So it was a lot of fun. Um, And then, you know, after a period of years, uh, it, it wasn't as much fun. It was just normal. It was just everything that I did. You know, um, the first wake-up call was when I went to my 10-year reunion, my 10-year high school reunion. So you can kind of figure out how old I was, you know. And I saw people, you know, I hadn't done much of anything. I tried college. I dropped out of college. I tried it again, dropped out again. And, you know, I kept struggling, doing all sorts of, you know, odd jobs and just trying to do something that would let me get high when I was working and high when I got home and, you know, whatever. 24-7, 24-7, all day, every day. I went to my high school reunion, and there were people that, you know, had careers, had gone to college, gotten degrees. Some of them were doctors, got married, had kids. And I wasn't anything like that. You know, I was 10 years behind. I was behind when I was in high school, so this brought me even further behind. And I just looked around the room and realized, like, what have I done in 10 years? Nothing. Um, well, of course, that was when the seed was planted. Um, good addict. I did nothing about it for another four or five years. Uh, until one day, I just got to the point where I reached out and I called that 800 number. And there I was in that meeting. And a lot of craziness was going on, but... I stuck it out, and I got sober. And to me, sobriety is just simply that. It's not using. I was told in the very beginning that you don't use no matter what. We have a meeting tomorrow night. This is what people told me. We have a meeting tomorrow night. Just don't use before the next meeting. And then you go to a meeting every day, and you don't use in between the meetings, and that's how you get sober. Just one day after another no matter what. And I took that to heart in my sobriety in the last quite a number of years. Um, Through the death of my mother, I didn't use. Through the death of my father, I watched him die. I was his caregiver. I didn't use. 
getting fired from jobs for no reason didn't use. All the ups and downs, no matter what, going to another Pink Floyd show completely sober and with people that were still using and, and, I, and I still didn't use. So that's, that's all sobriety is. You know, recovery, however, is something different. And, and that's mainly what, what my message is, is to understand that if you don't use, you stay sober, that's great. But that's only a part of it. Now, I know people, people that I grew up with that, you know, went to college, they got out of college, they just stopped. That's it, you know. And I guess they're happy. They live in fulfilled lives. That's great, you know. Um, that was not me. And it's still not me. Um, you know, people that I know that are in the program that after quite a number of years have gone back to occasionally using, drinking, drinking on New Year's Eve or on their birthday or something like that. Like it says in the big book that people can't do, that we can't go back to speak, drinking like a respectable person. I have seen people that are able to do that. Maybe they were never addicts to begin with. I don't know. But that's just not me. I, I, I can't do that. You know, I, I make that choice not to do that. I, I still think that maybe it's possible, but I just haven't taken that chance. And that was 10,649 days ago. I just looked it up before I started this meeting. That, um, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe I can, but I've been clean and sober ever since that first meeting. I'm just doing a quick little time check. Is that 15 minutes? Hello? Susan, you there? All right. So that's all sobriety is. It's just simply not using. Recovery, however, is something different. And I didn't really get recovery until I started working the steps. I mean, that's really what sets this program apart from any other is the steps. And I worked the steps a couple different times in different ways with a sponsor, at a group, at the conventions, in various ways, um, until I went to a thing that's called the table meeting. Um, they do it out here. They've done it a couple of places. Oh, I see. Great. Until 540. Perfect. Okay, good. Got 20 minutes. Um, something called the table meeting where we do all the 12 steps in one day. And that's originally the way it was done in AA. Um, through this table meeting, I learned the history and how it got started. And it's, it's different than it is today. Uh, but people would work the steps even before they went to their first meeting. I mean, there weren't meetings all the time everywhere, no matter where you go. Uh, so it's just a little bit different. Uh, but that's... I, I think was the intent, in, in, intended purpose is to start working and changing yourself. And that's what separates a recovery.
for me is that change, is that even though I'm the same person, I act, think, and feel differently than I did when I was using. Not always successful, okay? I'm the first one to admit that, that, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I know what the spiritual principles are. I know that's the way that I want to live. I, I, I'm not always 100% successful at that because, hey, I'm an addict. Uh, that was sort of instilled in me when I first started joining NA, that I was kind of born this way. It has nothing to do with the drugs. It's just the way that my brain works. I was an addict before I even knew about marijuana. Um, I remember things from grade school and from other things long, long before I even knew what addiction was. But it's the way that I thought and felt. And so I'm an addict through and through. Now, after doing the NA thing for about a year or so, I'd heard about Marijuana Anonymous, and I figured, like, hey, you know, not only am I in the right neighborhood, but I found my home. I found the right street and the right house, and this is where I live uh, because pot was my big thing. You know, I did a few others, and, you know, I drank occasionally when I couldn't find pot. You know, this is back before there were dispensaries and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Don't go on into that but um yeah and so that's that's the way that i started that was my introduction and i was convinced that i'm an addict i'm still an addict i still am and i always will be and that goes back to what i said at the very beginning that i have recovered from marijuana addiction now people sometimes get up in arms about that word recovered instead of recovery, but this is what I learned from the table meeting, is that it says in the big book that we've recovered a new way of life. I mean, it mentions that word many times. Yes, I have recovered from addiction, but I'm also still an addict, and I always will be. Uh, The way that it was described to me is that if you get into a car accident, I mean, you go to the hospital, you get injured, you know, whatever, and you can recover, and you've recovered from that accident. But that will always be a part of your past. You know, I look at it this way. Um, In 2015, I had some heart surgery. I have recovered 100% from that surgery, but I will always be a heart patient without a doubt. I see my cardiologist twice a year. I've changed my diet. I have to keep an eye on my, you know, lab numbers and things like that. And I will always be a cardiology patient. I will always have gone through that. But I have recovered from that surgery without a doubt. And that's the way I look at marijuana addiction. I have recovered from that. That doesn't mean that I'm not still an addict. I still have other things that I'm working on, too. You know, if you want to talk about addiction, there's an addiction for everything that you can think of. And, you know, food, shopping, sex, TV, Mountain Dew, oh, you know, sugar, Mountain Dew. If you want to stop and talk after the meeting, I have written my own 12 questions about 
how to determine whether you're a marijuana, uh, whether you're a Mountain Dewaholic or not. You know, that's just my own thing. Normally, when I give this talk in person, that gives a big laugh. So, but uh, yeah, addiction is addiction is addiction. It, it doesn't really matter the substance. It's about the behavior and the feelings. Um, I have absolutely 100% curbed my appetite for marijuana. It's been offered to me in the last 29 years. I can go to a dispensary anytime I want to. I just don't have any use for it. I don't have any need for it. That desire has completely gone from my body. But it doesn't mean that I don't still engage in sometimes addictive behavior. And I mentioned other things and uh, things like that. So that's why I try and emphasize and I explain sobriety as opposed to recovery. Now, in this table meeting, that's where I learned the difference. By going through the steps, you see not just the steps itself, but the spiritual principle behind each one. Um, I'm not a big book thumper. I'm not one that's got all that stuff memorized. I can't tell you verbatim what the spiritual principle is behind each step, but the re there is a reason for it. And to me, that recovery is not just doing the steps, but it's living the steps. You have to live that life according to the spiritual principles on a daily basis. Now, something I've been doing in the last few years or so because of another group I belong to is I do a 10th step every night where I go through my day, look at what I've done, not what I should have, what I could have, what I would have done. You know, that you can shit on yourself all day long for the rest of your life. Realistically, did I harm anybody today? Do I need to make an amends? Did I live according to spiritual principles? Did I treat everybody with respect? And take that little mini inventory, that 10 step, on a daily basis, and that keeps me grounded and living towards those spiritual principles. A part of my journey also, of course, is the fellowship, the com comrad comradeship. I'm not sure if that's the right word. Uh, going to conventions. I went to the very first convention. I've been to most of them since then. To go into a room where you can just hang out and have an incredible amount of fun, meeting wonderful people, having magnificent adventures and experiences and Various cities, Seattle, Vancouver, Portland, New York, uh, the Bay Area. This year it's going to be in San Diego. Um, and, and realizing that you can have so much fun and, and be so happy without any drugs at all. And, and I could never have conceived of that. Going camping, our district always has an annual camp out. The social aspect to me, is just as important. It, it says in the book, we refuse to be a glum lot. If you're not happy, if you're not having fun, if this isn't something that 
puts a smile on your face, then you're not doing it right. That, you know, I don't want to make a judgment, but you, I have to be able to look at myself every day and say, this is good, this is happy. It's, it makes me live with a smile on my face. Now, of course, you don't have to be happy and joyful all the time, and you, I strive for that, but I'm just getting up to check my time. But if, if, if you're still in misery, then, then you've got to find out something else to do. Uh, talk to your sponsor, go to a different meeting. If you get into a rut, go to different kinds of meetings. Go to a different program. Uh, this is the part where I usually get a lot of blowback from people. I don't think 12 steps is the ultimate answer. There are many, many different ways of getting sobriety and recovery. Your church, through therapy, through other kinds of programs, through you know, uh, non-12-step based groups, uh, the religious things, self-help books, all sorts of different things that give you a chance to look at yourself and make changes. Um, this is the method that I've chosen. This is the one that I started with, I've stuck with, but I've looked at all sorts of other ways of doing it too. And, and there isn't any one right way. There's no question that, like I said, there are people that just stop and they live happy, fulfilled lives. That's great. I couldn't do that. I tried over and over and over, just like most of us. You know, it was easy to quit pot. It was easy to stop smoking. Staying stopped was the hard part. You know, I stopped smoking, I don't know, thousands of times. I'd start smoking the next day. So there's many ways of doing it. This is just the only way that works for me, that, that I have found successful. Um, I, I, I'm not a real big, as you can hear, that some of these steps, and as I've done them and I've had some of these experiences, they really have changed, changed my body. Um, I'm not a real big step person. Uh, I think it is my belief that newcomers don't even need to worry about the steps. You, you, you got to just start with the sobriety first. You just got to stop. Start with the stopping and the staying stopped. And then when you get a little bit of clarity, yeah, absolutely, you start working on the steps. Now, if there's a way of doing it the way that I did it, after I'd been through the steps a couple times and I did the table meeting, if there's a way to do it with that kind of a group, in one day or one weekend or one retreat, I think that's fantastic because it's not going to be perfect. You get through the steps and you realize, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of because now you're a different person. When you get to the 12th step, you're different than you are when you started. 
And so you go back and you do them again because now you're looking at it from a different set of eyes, from a different perspective. Uh, it, it took me two or three times at least to finally understand that, you know, I, I'm never going to be finished. I'm never going to stop learning. And just because you get to the end, that doesn't mean that, mm, well, done. It's over with. You can graduate. No, I don't don't really think I'm ever going to graduate. Uh, I certainly have gotten a couple of degrees along the way. You know, I'm working on my postdoc in recovery after 29-plus years that, um, yeah, I, I would like to think I've learned a, a thing or two along the way. But, um, yeah, you never stop, you know. The steps are what the recovery program is all about. The first step is simply that sobriety. You know, you just you just don't use. You know, and then you go through and just real briefly, um, let me see how much time I've got. Okay, yeah, perfect. I'm on schedule. Just real briefly, people Fear the four-step. And the way that I was, it was done with me the very first time is we went to a park and my sponsor gave me a, you know, a pad of paper and said, here, write for an hour, I'll be back. And at the end of the hour, that's it. You know, you, you do everything you can. Um, it does say a searching and fearless moral inventory. So you have to inventory what your morals are. That doesn't necessarily mean a complete autobiography. It doesn't necessarily mean every single crime that you've committed. It just means you look at all of your morals. Now, there are some guides about, you know, resentments and and fears and sex inventory and things like that. Of course, you know, there's guidelines to do it, but you just get through it. That's all it is. And you write down also the positives, not just all the negative morals, but some of the good qualities too. When you do an inventory, you've got to write the good and the bad. You know, it, it, both of them are, are a part of who you are. And you just simply get through it. Because like I say, once you get through it, you're the fifth and sixth and seventh, and if you've got the right kind of sponsor, when you go back around, now you're going to be able to do a little bit more, a little bit deeper. And then as you do them over the years, you new things come up and, and things that you hadn't even thought about. Uh, when I got into therapy in the beginning, there were issues that I had never dealt with when I was a kid, and I didn't really understand any of that until I had gone through the fourth step and, and, and gone through that several times. So the, this is where, without a doubt, is where the recovery begins to take place. Now, I kind of want to start wrapping it up a little bit. So um, this is the way it was described to me at the very beginning. Oh, um, I went to that first meeting on Tuesday night, and then I went to another meeting Wednesday night, I went to a meeting on Thursday night, and then Friday, 
I went to this meeting at L.A. Valley College, and I was bitching and moaning. And I remember just saying, like, you know, I've been doing this for four days and crying and, you know, sharing my heart. It's like, where's my miracle? Why, why, you know, where am I going to, you know, be happy? And this is four days, mind you. Um, And there was an old-timer. Remember, back then, an old-timer was somebody they had by two years. Um, Came up to me, and he said, you know, Alan, Welcome to your first day of recovery, because that was the beginning of the seed of just because you're sober, that doesn't mean that you've changed. When you reach out, when you share your heart, when you get down to the nitty-gritty and your soul comes out, that's where the recovery takes place. Um, it's sort of an important part of my story that um, it, that was instilled in me at the beginning that you really have to make that change and you have to ask for that help for that recovery to begin. Uh, and the next thing this guy told me is that um, sobriety is like a merry-go-round. You just go around and around and around. And sure, the horses go up and down a little bit, but that's all it is. You just keep going around and around every day. That's sobriety. You just just simply don't use. You know, that's the term that we used back then. Um, don't drink, don't smoke, however you want to call it. You can say whatever, have whatever term turns you on. But recovery, recovery is like a roller coaster. You know, when you go to the amusement park, you get on the cart, and the first thing, the first part of a roller coaster is what they call the lift hill that takes you up, 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 clickly, 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 you know, and that's getting sober because it's a long climb. We've all been there. It's, all, it's, it's very hard. It's, you know, it's just a little bit. You make that big push. And then you get to the top, and you look down at that track, and you go, holy crap, what have I got myself into? Now I'm sober. Now what? And it's going to throw you for a loop. And it's, you're going to make some sharp turns, and you're going to go head over heels. And, you know, it is a wild ride, without a doubt. But then, after a while, you get towards the end, and it's not quite as scary anymore. You've been through some of the big stuff. You know, you loop, you go through the loop-to-loop and all the other things, and you come back to the station. That's your first year, you know, and then you've got to do it all over again. I will tell people that everything you need to know, everything you're going to hear that you need to learn, you're going to hear in your first year. As you go along, you just hear the same stuff in different ways from different people in different formats. But everything you need to know, you're going to learn in the first year. And then you just simply do it all over again. That's all it is. Now, I will wrap it up with uh, I don't often like to give advice. But, again, this is what I've learned along the way. Um, Normally when I share, I quote several different lyrics, um, 
the great great writers of my time were all the uh, musical gods that we looked up to. Uh, but one of them is at the end of White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. It says, um, feed your head, feed your head, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure you've heard that. Well, sometimes when I hear a song, I hear different words. And the way that that song ends for me is feed your head. That means get all the information. Go to different meetings. Try different programs. Go to different 12-step groups. Get a sponsor. Get a different sponsor. When I worked with my second sponsor, it's completely different. Just feed all of that information into your head. And after you've done this for a while, the first couple of weeks, it's like everything is, sounds like it came from God. You know, everybody is a genius. And then after you've been around a while, you realize that, well, that guy talks to talk, but maybe he doesn't really walk the walk. So get all the information that you can, feed your head, then weed your head. Take out the stuff that doesn't work. Take out, keep the stuff that works for you. But you can't do that unless you've been around for a while. So get as much as you can and then get rid of all the stuff that doesn't belong. What works for some people doesn't work for others. You've got to find out what works for you because it's, it, this is a very individual program, without a doubt. Feed your head, weed your head, and then when all is said and done, heed your head. All the stuff that's left through, that's what you're going to take forward. Now, I don't always practice that. Sometimes I revert to my old ways. That's what that 10-step is for every night. But after you've done this for a while, you find the stuff that doesn't work, the stuff that does, that's what you've got to follow. That what works for you is what you need to do. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you for giving me a chance to experience recovery for today. I'm grateful to be here. My name is Yogi. Thank you very much.